No, it's, uh, it's really good to be here. Uh, we've been in the middle of a series uh, called um, Both and uh, Being the Balanced Radical. And uh, uh, as I was sort of prepping that, uh, that talk this week, I, I really felt drawn just to another passage uh, in, in, in the scriptures. And, and partly maybe that had to do with uh, connecting around worship and leading worship in some of the songs that we were sort of looking at leading and, and all of that and how that fit or whatever. But I just felt, uh, one, drawn by this passage and, and two, just sort of compelled to just do a, a really simple uh, message on, uh, on the love of God. As I was sort of wrestling with that, you know, when I'm in the middle of a series, I don't take nearly as much time really as I should to just sort of pray and, and ask the Lord what I should be, should be speaking about. I get on a track and I just sort of keep keep rolling. But uh, as, uh, as I said, you know, maybe we should pray about this one. Uh, I did what I, I always do, and I've told this story before. I'll often just sort of kneel beside my desk uh, at my desk chair and say, Lord, what do you want me to say to the people today, this week? And, uh, and as I did that, and this is the thing that I hear most frequently when I pray that simple prayer, and it's like God joking with me because it, it, it drives me absolutely nuts. He, he usually just says this. He says, just tell the people I love them. And I'm like, could you give me just a little bit more? <laughs> right? Like, like just a little bit more. That would be really great. You know, like, like help me out. And of course he always does. But, but he really likes to yank my chain because I, I really like to see a process. I really like to see things laid out nicely. And, and in this case just didn't give that to me. I, I spent a number of hours this week, uh, especially in the end of the week, just wrestling and wrestling with, God, how do you want me to say this? How do you want me to tell the, the story of your great uh, love again? And, and then, of course, uh, you know, all of that around this passage that I was drawn to as well. So we're just going to read the text, and, and I have some observations on it, and, uh, and we'll just ask the Lord to lead us. I, I, this is, again, one of those talks where I don't 100% know where it's going. You know, sometimes I just have this mass of material in my head and in my heart and on my notes, and I don't know how it all goes together, but we just trust the Lord and ask him to lead us. So let's, uh, let's pray as we do this. Let's, let's pray. Uh, Lord, we uh, love your word. We love you. Uh, we love the scriptures. Um, and we know you love us. And so as we bring these things together, you and us and your word together, we know that you'll nourish us. We know that you'll help us, that you'll speak to us. I pray that you would give me wisdom uh, as I sort of on the fly uh, share a bit of your story and, uh, and ask that you would give uh, folks ears to hear and that this would be an interaction um, uh, between you and, and us and your, and your word, Father. Would you grow us through this together? Would you touch our hearts? Would you uh, transform us? Would you expand our capacity to know you? Uh, we love you, Lord. Uh, we give you this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to read to us here from uh, the book of Ephesians. And this is one of, if you're new to the scriptures, this is one of Paul's letters written to uh, the um, the, one of the early churches in, uh, shortly after the time of Christ. Paul, of course, being a person who'd started a number of churches and led a number of churches 
uh, often wrote letters to them to sort of maintain relationship with them and teach them what he felt like they needed to know along the way. So if you're here and you're a, a new believer and you're wondering what this Ephesians thing is, that's basically what it was, uh, a letter from a pastor to his people. And he says this in uh, chapter 3. He says, for this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. So Paul is writing to this church, and Paul often does this uh, when he's writing to a church, is he describes his prayer life to them. He, he lets them know that he's praying for them. He lets uh, them know that he's concerned for them, that, that he's uh, bringing their concerns before God, that he uh, has a relationship with God that involves them. And he, he just says this one little thing, for, for this reason I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. He, he, in this passage, his first little thought is he wants everybody to know that this is accessible to them, to them that the love of God is accessible to them, that uh, he's put his stamp on every life, that he's put uh, some interest in every person, that, that every one of us carries uh, something of of God's design that he's made us. And he's pointing to all kinds of different things in the scriptures that, that say that. But he's, he's making this accessible. This thing that I'm about to tell you, everybody can get in on it. Uh, he says this, I pray that out of, the glory, out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. So he's saying, I want, I want you to be strengthened. I want you to be stronger. I want you to, the, the way I'm going to strengthen you is with the power of my spirit. So he's speaking to this relationship between them and the Holy Spirit. And he's saying, I want you to have this strong relationship with the Holy Spirit. I want you to have more muscle. I want you to have more strength. And, and so whereas we're, we're reading that, we're sort of saying, why? Why do you want us to have more strength? What, what do you want us for? Do you want us to endure suffering? Do you want us to do whatever? And there's a whole host of things that that could mean, but Paul actually explains it. He's saying, I want you to be strong so that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. Now, why do you think you need to be strong so that Christ can dwell in your heart? That's, that's, it seems to me like a bit of a strange uh, thing that, that Paul is saying there. Why do you want to be strong? Like, Christ, of course, is, can be with, with the weak, right? He can be with you when you're broken. He can be with you... Um, 
you know, all the time. He'll always meet with you, no matter what your circumstances are. And this is what, we, what he's going to talk about a little bit later in the passage. But why do you want to be strengthened uh, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith? Well, I think he can live in our hearts and he can dwell in us. But what he's going to talk about here is, is dwelling in us ever more in fullness. That there's more of him that can be living inside of us than is living in us right now, right? The God who is is living you, the moment you gave your life to Christ, Jesus came and indwelled in you. He came to live in your heart. But what size is the room that we've got him living in, in our hearts? And he's saying, expand your faith so that you can allow uh, me to have more impact inside of you so that you can allow me to have more influence in your life that you can allow more of my power more of my glory more of my life more of my light he says this so you may have power together with all the lord's people so he's talking about this now is also a community thing that your life impacts a broader community to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of christ and we're going to focus in on this uh, wide long high and deep in in just a moment but and to know that this love surpasses knowledge. A really important thought from the text is he wants this love not just to be something that you know. Right? So what does that mean? How do, you, how do we experience things? We experience things through all of our senses, right? Through touch, through taste, through uh, hearing. I don't know. What are the five senses? I don't know. Sight. <laughs> this is where the fever kicks in. Uh, right? He, he, wants you to, he wants it to be a part of your experience. Uh, there's our emotions. Right? He wants you to be able to feel his love. And so many of us as Christians, of course, we live uh, with a, a knowledge that God loves us. But, but there are lots and lots of moments where we don't necessarily feel like God loves us. Right? We don't necessarily feel it. We, we, we don't experience it. And, and I think he, Paul is saying to you, you here, I really, really want this uh, to be increasingly a part of your experience. I want you to feel loved by God. And then he just finishes with this worship. He just sort of explodes in worship uh, after he talks about to be filled to the measure of the fullness of God, being filled with everything that Jesus has for you. And Paul just sort of explodes in worship. Now to him who is able to immeasurably more than all we add to do, immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work with us. So all of this is to him. All of this is to him. He sort of explodes in worship. Uh, he, to him who is able to do immeasurably more than you can ask or imagine. And, and so this, this uh, connects a little bit with what we talked about in worship, the sense that there's a disconnect a little bit between um, what we experience of God or what we hope for, what we long for in God and what we're, we're living in, right? There's a, there's a way in which we're, we're constantly longing uh, for more. So what is Paul getting at when he says uh, this little bit here? Um, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. Of course, Paul is, you know, to, to read into the text and to try to, to pull it apart in the Greek, I, I really did. I, I pulled it apart in the Greek. I exegeted the text, and I found out that wide and long and high and deep means wide and long and high and deep. 
So, you know, my, my Greek, you know, wizardry of, you know, textual scholarship really doesn't give me absolutely anything there at all. Paul is essentially, I think, mostly just being poetical. But I think there's something uh, really rich there for us thinking about these words and what they mean. And so I just want to dig into that. The love of God is wide. How wide is it? wide is the love of God? You know, we look at the love of God so often as uh, something that is uh, a target to hit. It's almost like we, we imagine that if we're, if we're archers, and this is an, an image that we use when we teach about sin, uh, you know, sin is missing the mark. Uh, but, you know, we almost think that in terms of getting that moment of connection with God, of getting that a uh, little bit of connection with him, of sensing that he loves us, of having a good relationship with God, we have got to hit this target dead center. If we get everything just right, everything just aligned perfectly in our lives, then we sort of fit through this narrow space and can have a relationship with God. We can, we can hit that target. Uh, I think what Paul is saying is that, you know, the love of, of God is like a barn door. You know, you can hit a barn door, especially if you're standing standing two feet from it. I took Toby out for his very first time uh, to do a little archery practice. He got a bow for his his birthday, and and when uh, Toby went to go and and use his bow, and we have a little bit of uh, a couple of hay bales that uh, that uh, Sue gave us actually to uh, to just use as a target for the boys. And Toby could like the bales were like at the back of the room like way back there. And Toby was like lined up, this little kid who can barely pull this bow back. And he's like, he's like trying to, and I'm like, no, no, no. One, I'm cheap. I don't want to lose the arrows, right? But, uh, <laughs> but, but two, like I want him to have success. I want him to know that he, that he can do it. And so I marched Toby up to about this far from the bales. And he drew the bow and he hit it right in the center, right? I mean, that's what God does with us. God's love is easily accessible. You might be here this morning and you might have all kinds of reasons in your heart, in your, in your thinking of, of why you might be disqualified from feeling the love of God. You might fit outside what seems like uh, the typical profile of a person who goes to church and follows Jesus. You, you might feel like you fit outside that profile and, and, uh, and you can't access God. You might feel like there is a, a problem in your life which um, uh, makes it impossible for you to have that, uh, that kind of connection with God. He doesn't like you maybe because of this thing in your life. Or, or you might feel like he, uh, he just doesn't want to connect with you because, you know, well, you've never really connected him with him before, and your parents were church people, but you're not really church people. Uh, there can be a whole host of things that go on in our minds. Um, but uh, if you want to know who Jesus connects with, uh, well, he connects with sinners. Right? Right? Matthew uh, chapter 9, verses 11 to 13. Uh, when the Pharisees saw this, that he was hanging out with tax collectors and, and sinners um, and prostitutes and, and everybody else, he says, why does your teacher uh, eat with tax collectors and sinners? 
And Jesus overheard them because they, you know, the Pharisees sort of trying to do an end run around Jesus. Jesus is pretty smart. He's tripped us up a few times. We'll go talk to the disciples. Maybe he hasn't coached them so well, right? Like these, the Pharisees are like, like reporters, right? Like they're going to go around and get the story whichever way they can, right? And so they're going, they're doing an end run around Jesus. And they're like, we're going to go talk to the disciples. And, uh, and, and he says, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus overheard, right? And he goes to them. He says, uh, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go ahead and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have come not to call uh, the righteous, but sinners. I've come not to call the righteous, but sinners. Who, who is Jesus hanging with? You know, there's an interesting thing that we can do whenever we read a text like this. Uh, it's a really important interpretive principle for us to uh, just place ourselves as different people in the text when we read it. So when you read the text, you're Jesus. How are you observing the scene? And then you read the text again, placing yourself in the place of uh, the, uh, the Pharisees. That's not one of, that one's not as fun. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> and, and place yourself in the scene, and how do you understand it? But where do we really fit best in this scene? The sinners, right? Now, so often I've heard this passage taught, uh, Jesus hung out with the sinners, so you, good Christians, should hang out with the sinners too. Right? Is that probably how Jesus wanted you to read the text? No, he wants you to read the text and, and see him hanging out with you, the sinner. Right? He comes to us and connects with us as sinners. We're not the Pharisees, and we're not Jesus. Or we shouldn't be the Pharisees, and we can't be Jesus. <laughs> but we're, we're the sinners. We're with them. We're with them. They're us. The sinners are me. I'm the sinners. And uh, when we read the text in that way, all of a sudden you're sitting there in a room and a Jewish rabbi who has no business being anywhere near you and the holiest one of all, Jesus, very God, who spoke the universe into existence, all of a sudden, he's coming to be with you. And how is he with you? How wide is his love? Well, he's coming to you as the doctor. And he wasn't shy about saying this to, to the sinners. Like, hey, guess what? I'm here to fix you. Now, when we as Christians say that to the people that we think aren't us that are sinners, we say, we're the doctor to come and fix you. That, that doesn't fly so well, right? But when we say, uh, we're the sinners, and we're inviting the doctor to come and fix us, and hey, he can probably fix you too, that works pretty good, right? That works pretty good. And he comes. And so we experience in this moment the unconditional love of God. But here's the trick. As we experience the unconditional love of God, we have to unconditionally welcome the love of God. We have to welcome him as a doctor. So we come and he accepts and welcomes every one of us in our brokenness. But he comes with this incredible power to transform, right? He comes with this incredible uh, transformative love. And so we come to him and we accept his, his full and unconditional love. 
and everything that that means as he fixes us and he transforms us and he makes us new. And all too often, it's really that which is a barrier between us and our relationship with God, isn't it? We don't want him to fix us, right? We don't want to be fixed. But that's how wide his love is. Every broken thing in us, uh, he, he wants to fix. He's broad, he's welcoming, he's, he's invitational, but he comes as a doctor. And that doctoring is love. It's tremendous love. How long is the love of God? Now, as I thought about that, I was sort of drawn to uh, Psalm 139. I'm just going to read a piece of this for us. Oh, Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely. You hem me in behind and before. You have laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. Uh, skipping to verse 13. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made your works are wonderful. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. How long is the love of God? The love of God started at the beginning and ends past the end. That's how long the love of God is in your life. You know, one of the things that we uh, do, Anna and I and, and other pastors, another of you who care for people in the community is uh, we often interact with people who have hurts in their lives, uh, moments of, of pain, moments of separation from God, moments of wounds being done to them, uh, pain inflicted on them, uh, people who have been victimized. Uh, we often wind up uh, speaking with them and, and often with people you're, you're trying to help them get past uh, that hurt and to find healing uh, from that hurt. And one of the things that Anna and I do more than, than almost anything is we just invite Jesus into a process of connecting with, with people who are dealing with something in their past. And, and what we do is we, we, uh, we help them imagine uh, that moment of pain and, and, and sort of very carefully and very gently remember it. Uh, remembering that moment, and we've done this with people who have been raped, we've done this with people who have uh, been through, uh, you know, horrific, horrific things. And we've uh, sat with them and we've said, now, I don't know what this is going to look like, but what I know is that Jesus being who he is, this God of incredible love, loved you in that painful moment in your past that you can only see pain in. And I'm going to just invite you to close your eyes. And we've do, done this with numerous people. Just close your eyes and just imagine that moment of pain. And then just ask Jesus the question, where are you in it? And, and so many times on our, on our living room, I can't tell you how many tears are on our couches. Uh, so many times in our living room, um, in that moment of, of silence and, and remembering a moment of pain, um, that person breaks into tears and very, very often tears of joy.
Because all of a sudden in that moment of, of agony in their life, they can see for the first time in their life that Jesus was holding their hand or that Jesus was carrying them. And these are just images we frequently had people experience in these moments as, as he's healing their hearts. Sometimes he's carrying them. Sometimes he's holding their hands. Sometimes he's whispering something to them. And in those moments uh, in their past that, that are full of pain, uh, people find uh, the presence of Jesus and love and joy, and he heals people in that. He was with you in the darkest moment of your life. He was with you in the most painful thing. Uh, he was with you before you were born. He loved you when he designed you and he made you. He, he loved you in your mother's womb. And this is, why, this is why Christians fight against things like abortion and try to see people healed who have experienced uh, that, that pain, right? Because God in, that, in the womb was, was knitting that child together, was interacting with that child, this, this beautiful life. This is why Christians fight uh, for this. And even before, when, when God, you were just a twinkle in your heavenly Father's eye, and even before that, when he formed the earth as a place for you to live, he, he loved you. And that love carries you through to eternity. That love relationship grows in intimacy and strength and health and wholeness that goes far beyond uh, the, the moment of your death. That if you accept life with Jesus, it goes to eternity. How high is the love of God? How high is the love of God? God wants to take you somewhere. You know, we so often say as a church, we say as a community, welcome to Ottawa Valley Vineyard where we're all people with messes of lives, but you know God doesn't want to leave you in a mess of a life. That he wants to raise you up, that he wants to lift you up. We're all in a process of, of growing. We're all in a trajectory of being transformed by God, by being made new by him, of him blessing our finances, blessing our, uh, our marriages. Uh, you know, there, there are marriages in this community that you guys have been surviving uh, for so many years. You've just been surviving as a couple, living in the same patterns. Well, God wants to give you an upgrade. <laughs> he wants to give you an upgrade. I was talking about this with a dear friend this week. God wants to transform uh, your, your life. He wants to, to grow it. He wants to, to make your marriage better than it ever, ever was. He doesn't want you just to survive. He wants to take you to a, a, a successful place. He wants to lead you there. He wants to do something, something wonderful there. And then again, on to the heavens. On to the heavens, on to glory, on to the resurrection. Right, this foundational, fundamental piece of Christianity is that we believe that Jesus died for our sins. We're going to talk about that in a moment, but he rose from the grave. Right? And, and his life, uh, is going to be inside us and, and, and glorify our bodies and strengthen us and do something utterly new and wonderful with us. This isn't all there is. There is hope. That's how high is the love of God. That's how high the love of God is and how deep is the love of God. Well, we know this one well. Some 2,000 years ago, a, a Jewish rabbi who was really God, who was really the son of God, walked about the earth, uh, he made friends, he healed the sick, he taught wonderful things, and humanity killed him for it. But God saw it as a gift of himself, 
as a gift of sacrifice. Now, God himself, who created the whole universe, tasted death for you and I on a Roman cross with nails driven through his hands and thorns in his head and a spear thrust into his side in a moment of agony at the end of his life, crying out, uh, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Experiencing the, the agony of that death with the weight of sin resting on his shoulders. Now tell me which of your sins is too big for that God to carry. None. Now I, in my, uh, in my you know, first degree, ministry degree down at school in the States, and this isn't something we've done a lot of. I've done a few prison visits uh, here in, uh, in Canada, um, but more in the States. Um, I've been in dark places uh, with prisoners uh, in, in a prison in upstate New York and one in Pennsylvania. And uh, I've had the opportunity to look uh, a rapist in the eyes, a multiple murderer in the eyes, and to look that person in the eye uh, in, in the presence of the Holy Spirit feel the love of God flowing through me and feel without a shadow of a doubt that Jesus absolutely loved the rapist sitting across from me. He absolutely loved that person with a passion. So what of your sins are too big for him to love you through? There's, there's none. His love is deep. The darkest corner of you heart, your heart that you feel like he uh, can't reach, that hasn't been able to connect with, that you felt closed off from him. It's too dirty. It's too broken. It's too dark. He can't go there. He can't see that. He can go there. He can see that. And he wants to go there and see that. God's love always flows the deepest place. It always flows to the darkest place. It's strong enough for that. And so that's where we stand this morning. It's me telling you <laughs> from that moment earlier in the week, just tell them God loves them. God loves you. He wants so much for you. He has so much for you. He wants you in relationship with him more than, more than you've experienced before, whether you're a mature Christian or somebody who's just seeking. He wants your life devoted to him. He wants to be your doctor. He wants to be your savior. And when we read that word savior, I'm not just talking about that time you raised your hand in a meeting when you were 12 years old or up at summer camp talking about every day since then and every day that's to come. He wants to be your savior. He wants to take your hand and love you. Why don't you stand with me and we'll pray.
Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come and pour out your love. For the ones here who have never felt the affection of God, just the love that you have in your heart for us. Lord, would you break down our barriers and by the power of your spirit, let us know how wide, how long, how high and how deep your love is. Would you let that be experienced and would you let that be felt by the power of your spirit here? so that we can begin to contain the fullness of you. Not just little you, but huge you, generous you, missional you, passionate you, powerful you. Would you let us live more and more in your character and in your power? Take over our lives, God. Take over our lives. Come, Holy Spirit. you let each person here feel wholly loved. Not just loved in a little part, but wholly loved. Completely loved. you show us where we're loved in the moments of our pain in the past show us where your love was then show us where your love is for us in the future God show us where you're loving us too show us what you're loving us into becoming save us O loving father In Jesus' name I pray, amen.